0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
1: details. Welcome everyone to Rock M Nation podcast. Uh, This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts uh, after a little extended time off. we're back! I am your host, Sam Snelling. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, everybody's best friend, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm
2: well, sir. Uh, rested. And uh, apparently we have a month until real basketball games begin, so that's is, always it, a good thing.
1: Yeah, it is closing down and closing down fast. And uh, and you took some some time off, went to, to Oregon, had a nice trip. Everything go okay? Uh, yeah, uh... If this you follow that on Twitter, you probably saw that he scored some some whiskey while, while he was out there.
2: Yeah, uh, we flew into <laughs> San Francisco and drove up to Portland, and uh, the beautiful thing, and if you're in San Francisco, is everyone there likes wine or just really, really expensive bourbon, and they'll just leave like Eagle Rare or E.H. Taylor on the shelf at MSRP, and you can be the lucky one to pick it up and then uh, find another bottle. Of uh, E.H. Taylor in uh, Oregon, which is a liquor control state, uh, which is fantastic because, again, MSRP. Downside, you learn that every bottle of Antique 107, Stagg Jr., and anything kind of fun is usually at a spot because it's been reserved by a bar. So that is uh, the fun uh, lesson you learn. But it's uh, still interesting to go out there and also find a place called Scotch Lodge where you can spend entirely too much money pouring bottles of bourbon that you'll never be able to buy or find in everyday life. So it was a good trip. Uh, my wife was entirely way too tolerant of said whiskey <laughs> sidetracking. Um, but we got some I, hikes in. And yeah, I, I really have to commend
1: in. both of our wives who uh, you know put up with, um, I know mine puts up with my uh, whiskey fascination um, to an nth degree. I'm sure yours does as well.
2: Uh, no, my wife is, uh, her, my father-in-law is a huge bourbon, is a bigger bourbon junkie than, bigger bourbon junkie than both of us, so, uh, her preferred pour was a, uh, I think it was like a anniversary bottle of, uh, Blanton's is what she did last week, so that was her pour, it was, uh, like a 1995 Blanton's or something absurd, so, uh, my wife was bougier than I was and took a deeper <laughs> cut than I did on the bourbon side, so. Let's, let's not give uh, Ellery Harris too much of a pass on that front.
1: Well, Matt, I am excited about this podcast, um, mainly because uh, we get to talk to Eric Bossy. And as you know, and as I know, um, Eric is, is, is probably the most well-known uh, and with good reason uh, national recruiting analyst type. Um, I think maybe a few years ago, like that, Entire space was filled a little deeper with uh, you know, Evan Daniels and Brian Snow and maybe a few others. But Eric is is the the last guy standing as a all those guys that, like took jobs doing other things. Um, like they, one works for CAA, one's like yeah. Daniels went to work for CAA. Uh, Brian Snow took a job like on a college staff. If yeah, I yeah, he's, remember he's correctly. basically
2: like the GM recruiting coordinator for Penn State
1: and then uh that's right micah shrewsbury jeff Goodman's yeah. uh favorite uh name to float out for for potential yeah, head got, coaching gotta get that
2: boston celtics love gotta give that out there gotta pump that name baby yeah um and then i think another one of uh uh eric's former colleagues got a job in the front office of the oklahoma city thunder so um oh yeah it was Corey evans Corey evans got a job in the oklahoma city thunder so uh Eric has been alongside uh, some people who have cashed in, which only begs the question of when is Eric cashing in? And who's <laughs> going to be the one it, to do
1: it? Instead, he's building an empire at, uh, at 247 Sports. Um, and yeah, like 247 Sports, like you and I have always used the 247 Sports composite uh, to sort of, you know, when we we're talking about recruitings because, you know, like recruiting recruiting analysts uh will have slightly i mean usually everybody knows who like the five best guys are right like it's very clear when you know you watch DeAndre Ayton or Michael Porter Jr or guys like that that they're elite there's they're different um but it is a lot more more challenging to be able to pick up on maybe like who's number 40 and who's number 75 and i think that's where you start to see things uh fluctuate a lot uh and i always like to um i always think eric does a good job um with with his analysis and and all that kind of stuff so we are going to uh get into a conversation with bossy and i think we should just hop to it now you good with that
2: i'm good with that let's get to it
1: and we would like to welcome into the podcast uh the national Recruiting writer, uh, everybody knows who he is at this point. If you're not following him on Twitter, you're uh, probably not all that interested in, in, in recruiting, which would be surprising if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, but with us is Eric Bossy. Eric, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on.
1: Always, uh always like to talk recruiting. Everybody loves recruiting. It's, it's always the big topic. Um, and, and for the first time in, in several years, Missouri basketball actually won a recruiting battle. Uh, and that was with, uh, I believe he's top 50, uh, Matt can correct me. I've always, I'm always losing track of how guys fluctuate, but, uh, a four-star prospect out of the, the case side, and that's Aiden Shaw. Um, Eric, you've had a chance to really see a lot of Aiden over the years. Um, but first I kind of want to talk about like the impact of, of, you know, you know, constant Martin actually winning a recruiting battle. Uh, and, and what that sort of means, like. Like how big of a get is, is this for the program?
0: I think it's, it's a great get. It's an important get. Like you said, there were a lot of, uh, high level programs, including one over in Lawrence that Tiger fans aren't too fan fond of that. They wanted Aiden, you know, or, or wanted him to, to wait around a little bit. And he's like, no, I've, I've, I've got where I want to go. I'm going to get this done. And a lot of that has to do with relationships that, uh, Quanzo Martin and, and Chris Hollander in particular got in there and built with Aiden and his family to, to get him to understand that, Hey, you need to come to where not only you're wanted, but where you're needed and where people are going to appreciate you the most. And I think that's what really stuck out with them and what allowed them to get him. And, you know, it's, we, we've got him ranked number 47 at 24, seven. Um, is he one of those guys who's going to walk in and put up crazy numbers right away? Probably not. He's got some developing to do, but in terms of just raw talent and upside and the ability to really blossom on the college level, there's a lot to like there with Aiden Shaw.
2: Eric, I was going to say, we talked about it after Aiden committed was you have to kind of change your definition of plug and play for a kid like him. But if you, if anyone watches him for any length of time with and out on the EYBL, you can see that defensively, He's, he's as skilled as anyone out there. I think you know, I think I watched all their pool play games, and over the span of four days, he spent you know time guarding ones, twos, threes, and fours, notably among them Imani Bates. It just seems like he's, when he's aside from having the physical tools, he's just really, really fundamentally sound and also seems to take a lot of pride in that end of the floor. What kind of defender is Missouri getting, or, or should fans know about him, at least at that end of the floor?
0: Potentially an elite defender at the college level. Um, he's highly switchable uh like you mentioned you know 1 through 4 he can defend because he he's not only long he's doesn't just jump high but he's got very good quickness laterally he's got good anticipation now strength is going to be something that he's going to have to address when he gets to college but that's pretty typical of most high school kids even as much of a freaks as as they're turning into athletically these days the strength portion is generally the biggest one strength and then just terminology and adjusting to the overall I guess, um, schemes in college, but just from pure natural ability and what he's shown, he is one of the best defenders in the class and certainly one of the defenders with the highest ceiling to go out, to go out and be a guy that, you know, if he gets caught in a ball screen and has to go out there and, and take on the point guard, he can do that. And he can switch and get back in. He can help you off the help side with blocking shots. There's just a lot that he can do and he's the kind of defender that programs really want. And, you know, I think we see with Mizzou, they're really starting to lean towards a lot of these kind of just long athletic dudes that can cover a lot of ground, right? And he certainly fits right into that and potentially at a really high level.
1: And I'm also kind of curious because, uh, you know, during the um, the coverage of the announcement, one of the, uh, the comparisons that you made with Aiden uh, was that of Jeremy Grant. And obviously, you know, Jeremy's career since he's uh gotten to the NBA and, and over the last few years has really kind of taken off as to what level of player he is. Uh so when when we talk about you know players and sort of you know comparisons uh was was your comparison with uh with Jeremy Grant more like where Jeremy was uh you know at that same stage along with the kind of ceiling that you maybe saw of from Grant at the time, or or is it more just about who Aiden is right now?
0: It's it's a lot of things. The, the important thing with comparison that I know you guys get, but sometimes what happens is we make a comparison and people say, oh, he just compared Aiden Shaw to Jeremy Grant. That means he's equal to Jeremy Grant. Well, no, not necessarily, but it's mostly based on where they were at the same age. I mean, they're about as close physically, athletically, size, you name it, as two guys can be. Um, the things that Jeremy was good at at this age are the things where Aiden has his strengths. The areas that Jeremy Grant was a little deficient in at this age are the areas that, that Aiden needs to work on, becoming a more consistent jump shooter, becoming a little bit better ball handler, um, embracing this kind of, Combo forward roll, small ball four type thing that has really allowed Jeremy Grant to blossom. Now, does that mean that Aiden's eventually going to be a 20-point scorer in the NBA? I think that's that's a lot to ask, right? But who knows? But does Aiden Shaw have tools and upside that translate to the NBA someday? Yeah, absolutely. If he continues to work hard and keeps taking steps in the positive, in the right direction. So that's where I think the comparison comes from. It's more of where they are at the same age, but a little bit of that potential upside fits in. And I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's outrageous to say that Aiden Shaw could potentially play in the NBA someday.
2: Eric, you mentioned the offensive sort of development, and, and I remember when I wrote a couple of weeks ago, it, you know, we talk about role and how that switches between the high school and the AAU level. You know, at Blue Valley, you know, I looked at his shooting numbers and he's about a 35 or 36% shooter on okay volume, you know, from the high school line. But then you see him, you know, at Peach Jam and you know, playing more of a little bit more of a, a guy who's running the wings in transition, an off-ball cutter, you know, sort of asked to get on the glass and sort of not be the focal point of an offense. So I'm just sort of curious, you've seen him at Blue Valley probably obviously more than any of us have. How does his game sort of shift or, or mutate, you know, when he moves from the high school level to playing on a little bit more of a talent-laden roster with Mocan on the offensive end?
0: Right. It's, 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 all, about, it's all about roles, and it's also about what you do changes because of the level of competition you're playing against, you know, other than, other than when they play Bishop Miege once or twice a year, there's not many dudes or or teams that blue Valley and Aiden Shaw are running into that have anyone who can remotely match up with him athletically. Right. Um, I mean, there's some good athletes around town, but it's not like he's seeing a lot of, a lot of elite high end athletes on a regular basis in Kansas city high school basketball. That's just the way it is. We, We know this. It's, it's, not a dispute. So you make that switch to the summer with Mocan. You're playing with a lot of other really high level guys. You know, they had Bryson Warren who signed with OTE They had Terrace Reed, you know, all these guys. Um, So your role does change. And I think that the role he played for them is probably a little bit closer to the type of role you could expect him to play early on in college. You know, maybe there'll be a little bit of a, of a meeting in the middle somewhere. But early on, I think he's a guy who's gonna make his mark with hustle plays, with defense, with getting out in transition and, and finishing lobs, um, cleaning up cleaning up some scraps on the offensive on the offensive glass, you know, hitting an occasional jump shot here or there. Um, as he continues to upgrade that ball handling and become a little bit more trusting in that jump shot. You know, a lot of those a lot of those jump shots he's taking on the high school level, they're just wide open because guys are just like, hey if you want to beat us shooting threes, we'll let you do that. Right. <laughs> like you got to pick your poison because if he goes and posts hard or really makes up his mind to get to the basket every time, well, they're going to be in trouble because he's just going to physically overwhelm them. So you've got to kind of guide him in that way. And so you'll live with him being a 35% three point shooter versus posting up and dunking on you all day long, you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Like a, like a, you know, 80% true shooting percentage when attacking the rim versus, you know, like, right. like hitting, hitting the 35% but, from three. But, you
0: know, Aiden's a really smart kid, uh, very hard worker. You know, as you said, with him being in Kansas City, you know, Blue Valley is, I mean, I could jog there in probably a half an hour from my house. You know, it's, it's, it's not too far from me or I could drive there in 10 minutes. You know, it's, uh, it's close. I've been able to watch him ever since he was finishing up middle school you see the strides that go along each year. I think the next, the biggest thing is just uh, playing with a little more confidence with a little bit more edge to him. Uh, I think he knows what he's capable of. It's just seeing a couple of those things happen a little more regularly and and he's going to be okay. But I think he's picked a good spot. I think he's picked a guy from a a mentality standpoint, from a knowing how to motivate people that's going to speak to him and speak to what motivates him pretty well. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do in Columbia.
2: You saw him, I think, earlier in the fall when he was working out and going through just kind of skill work there. What's he trying to do as far as improving his ball handling situationally, and what's he doing as far as in honing that jumper? Or at least you were able to see when you got to watch him go through that yeah, workout. Yeah. So
0: the, the day I was in with him, he was he was shooting mostly jump shots as we were in. He was actually working out in somebody's house who had their own gym built into the house. It was a pretty nice house, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but it wasn't a full gym. So, you know, he was, just, he was, he was just getting up shots. And also, I mean, quite frankly, I was probably <laughs> disrupting the workout because I was running my mouth to him the entire time, you know, you know, talking a little trash and just, you know, just, just also just this new world. We don't ever get to sit down with these kids and get to know them just as people, right. They don't get to sit down with us and get to know us as people like we used to when I first started 21 years ago. Now it's just, 20 guys sticking an iPhone in a dude's face and asking the same four questions, right? So there's a lot of that going on. But, you know, he, he gets his shots up every day. I know um, he does a lot of work. People may remember Marcus Walker, who was a big-time star in the Kansas City area, played in Nebraska. He gets in and works a lot with him. He's, he's not afraid of getting in the gym and putting in work. And so that's why I said the next thing is just uh, bringing that confidence over, and, and it'll come. it's it's just got to understand for Aiden that he's not going to be magic Johnson as a ball handler or passer. but you can get consistently where you can go and create off two or three dribbles somewhere in that range and get to your spots. That's, that's the level that he's getting to. And I don't think he's too far away from that. And once he hits that and adds that confidence element, there's just such a level that he can take his game to because of his physical attributes too.
2: I think it's interesting. You you look at, you mentioned his middle school, you know. I think back then he was playing alongside Mark, playing alongside Grady Dick and Todd Manning, and you know, that's a that's a pretty packed middle school roster. And then you go to Mokan and you're you know having to maybe split some time with Terrace Reed and, and other guys who wanna get their touches or who have to, you know, sort of balance all that out. I think that's been the one thing I've been curious to see from him is what happens if you put him in a more expansive offensive role and you sort of say you're a focal point of the action. We're going to put you in the mix and we want you to go create. We want you to be dynamic. How does that change for him? And what does that sort of unlock? I think that's what I'm most interested to see when he gets to Columbia is, I think he's in a situation now where he'll be empowered in an offensive set, at least offensive sense, at least in the half court.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also you've seen things like, you know, the Pangos all American camps are what they are. They're pretty much high level pickup games, you know, open runs. But you see him he gets out in those situations and he kind of flourishes right? because the game is suited to his strengths. but I feel like if you kind of if you see him in that setting, you see him with his high school team, you see him with mocan, and you kind of blend all those three together you get a pretty good idea of who he is and what he's gonna be and you know again, I, I think a lot of this is you mentioned playing with those other guys. Uh, one of the things that kids really struggle with when they go from high school, to college is they don't understand to pl- how to play with other guys who are as good or better than them. And Aiden's been doing that for a while. And I think he's kind of embracing the idea of taking on the challenge of like, Hey, hold up. I want to show you guys that I'm the man. You know, it's, it's, it's not Mark Mitchell and Grady Dick and Aiden. It's, you know, I'm just as good as these guys that I should be thought of in the same light as these guys. And You know, that's the challenge that I think he's pushing himself to, you know, it's something that he's accepted and he's pushing himself to prove it to people, but he's going to do that within a team context. He's not a me, me, me kind of guy. And, and I just think all those things
1: speak well or or bode well for his future. So you mentioned, uh, Mark Mitchell and I figure while we have you here, we should at least get, um, your professional take on the, the situation with Mark, um, he's a guy who has sort of long had this list of, of four schools, obviously UCLA and Duke appear to be kind of the favorites at this point with Kansas and Missouri. Um, I guess lagging a little bit behind, at least that's kind of what we've been trying to educate our listeners with. Uh, But, but Mark is a guy who's still letting the process play out a little bit. And, and he's a guy who's still taking visits. So, what are we what are we doing how is this going to wrap up i'm trying to get a read on exactly what i mean obviously mark mitchell is a a very a potentially one and done kind of level player um like what is missouri's role in the recruitment here
0: first of all i don't see it wrapping up until at least early december barring some changes on things and missouri's role here is Conzo Martin, and Mark has told me this multiple times, has built a really, really strong relationship with Mark and his family. I think they find him to be incredibly relatable. I think they find him to be somebody that Mark is potentially interested in learning from. So that has kept Missouri in there, and it's kept him in there to the point that, you know, he's taken two official visits there now. So I don't think, Mark's not the kind of dude who's just, Taking visits just to take visits, like I, I don't think he's really out here trying to waste people's time, but I do think ultimately, as you said, at the end of the day, um, just from being around and talking to the, the parties involved and everything, that I do think this is this is and has been heading towards a, a UCLA Duke collision course, which is part of why it's so good that that you got Aiden in all of this. Um, you know, you got the guy that you. If you'd have gotten neither of them, you'd really be in a bad shape, right? But they made sure, yeah. hey, let's get Aiden, let's let's get him done, and then you know we're kind of playing with house money in terms of going after Mark. You know, I don't, I don't think, you know, even the most heavily, you know, I don't know how many even the greatest Mizzou fans out there are really thinking like, hey, you know, we're I'm putting Mark in my my lineup for next year, right? I don't think <laughs> right. there's a lot of projected Mizzou lineups right now. <laughs> from even the most super of super fans that is including Mark Mitchell in it. But hey, you got a chance. You might as well hang around in there. And you know, who knows? Maybe you get surprised. But but I do know I have known Mark for a while. I know him well. I know some of his coaches well. I do think he has a genuine and sincere like and appreciation of Konzo and what he's doing. I just don't know if that's going to get it done because I think that the key with him is not only is he trying to get to the NBA, like some of these guys, but like he knows he may only be there for one or two years. And I think he wants a legitimate chance to, to compete for a final four. So if Missouri can convince him of that, then then maybe they'll have a chance, but I just don't know where they are in that process.
2: And that's, I think that's always been the, the question here is just what can Mizzou do to make the argument compelling? You know, I think, on the visit you know they have aiden in town they've got max wisner in town you know they've they're bringing in faces that he knows and that he's familiar with and he has relationships yeah, with
0: Marcus denman hollering at him you got everything
2: yeah so you, you've got everything there and it's, i think at the end of the day it's like you said what's the calculus that makes this interesting is it missouri somehow jumps out to a fast start this year with a rebuilt core and he can say oh there's gonna be some pieces there that you know, might be able to surround me with that. I wasn't quite as sure about to me. I think that's the only real thing that can move it is you look at it and you say, Oh, you put Aiden and I there next year. Now you've suddenly got a little bit more of a sped up process. I don't outside of that. I just don't know what, what's going to make the argument that much more sort of enticing, but what we'll see. I
0: think think that's a fair way of looking at it. And I, I think, you know, obviously I'm in Kansas city, so I'm around a lot of Missouri fans and, despite being a KU grad, Missouri fans seem to tolerate me pretty well. Um, you know, I I feel like people have got a pretty good idea of, of what it is. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, Kansas fans sure don't think they're getting them either. You know? So I think this is one where, where people locally just kind of understand that, you know, this is a kid that maybe just wants to get away and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. I think like, uh, even a, a few years ago, um, right about the time Missouri was like having him on campus for like unofficial visits. And it was very clear he was going to be a top level player. Like I had talked to a few people that had even expressed to me that they thought it was entirely possible that he just skipped college altogether. So, um, I I was still surprised that he made that full pivot and, and sort of seems to have closed the door on, uh, on any of like the professional routes, uh because I, I you know, I do think obviously for for pretty much any high level kid these days that you know the end goal is to get to the NBA. So
0: yeah. Yeah, well I think um, you know, he's a smart Marcus is a very smart measured kid. I think he's uh while he wants to get there, he's not one of those guys who wants to skip any steps. Um, you know, he's had some injuries that I think have maybe helped him understand that, you know, nothing is granted, nothing's given. And also you know, he's got an older brother who works in the entertainment industry that while not sports is still an eye opener and somebody's legitimately in this world with crazy things being thrown around and at people and stuff. So I think maybe there's a little bit of a better understanding of what that life is like and what that life can be like. And also important is this is, you know, I don't think he has a family, and this is unfortunate for some kids. It's not every kid. I think we overblow it sometimes, but I don't think there's a family that's been sitting around planning how they're going to spend their millions from him since he was 14 years old. You know what I mean? Like, does his family hope he makes it? Yeah. But, you know, I don't think he's being treated as a meal ticket. He's being treated as a son and as a brother. And let's make sure that we put this kid in the best position to make these things happen. And also, you know, probably NIL isn't hurting anything either.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, You can,
2: you can certainly capitalize that in, in use in yep. the LA market there.
1: Boss, one of the last things I wanted to, to get to before we, uh, before we cut you loose is I, I, I will say when it comes to a lot of the national recruiting analysts, you, like your opinion on, on players is one that I've always felt, uh, like the most on board with, I think that's probably the safest way to say it. Um, I think your consistency in, in, in scouting and all that tends to, uh, be on the up and up. And, and so I'm paying you this compliment because, um, you were one of the first guys to really talk about the ceiling on a kid like Trevin Brazil. And there are a lot of, uh, Mizzou fans who sort of rolled their eyes a little bit when, when Mizzou took a commitment from a kid who at the time was unranked, um, you know, a kid who very clearly is a late bloomer. Um but I'd I'd like for our listeners and, and even as a good question from from you know myself just to, to hear your take is is what attracts you about Trevin Brazil's skill set and what sort of ceiling do you think that kid has?
0: First of all, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Um it, it means a lot because you know it's it's we we're, we're in a Being held to opinions about that were made when dudes were seventeen and eighteen years old, (laughs) when they're twenty two and twenty five and twenty eight, isn't always the easiest way to go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. But uh, in a case of a guy like Brazil, you know, there's there's things that you do this for a while and you start to notice some things. Um, You know, every case is different. Not everything is the same, but you find out a guy like him. Hey, he's young for his class a little bit, right? He doesn't have a lot of experience just yet, and you just see some natural instincts, and then you see, wow, look at him physically. Imagine what he's going to look like in two or three more years once he once he once he matures, uh, and you go back to your mind and you think of guys who you missed on, right? And a lot of times they're guys who look just like Trevin Brazil who may be a little skinny, maybe a little goofy, a little bit inexperienced, but, you know, there's just some glimmers. And I always look at it like this. When I saw Brazil play, what I noticed was, even if they only had, say, eight or 10 points, those eight or 10 points all came in a fashion that nobody else on the court could really make those plays happen, right? And you got to pay attention to that. It's one thing, if you're long and you're athletic and you're just doing whatever, but it's really nothing special that somebody else couldn't do. But when you're making plays that nobody else can, even if you're not yet consistent at it, the fact that you can make those plays that others can't are something that you really need to take notice of. And so that kind of stuck with me with him and it sticks with, sticks to me with others like him, the, like, you know, you don't want to go too crazy. You don't want to be like, Oh man, yeah, I I could see this guy playing the NBA someday, but I mean, my gosh, I could see him and and it sounds like you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Sounds like Mizzou's really, really excited about him so far and his potential. Like I do feel that at a minimum, this is one of those guys that a couple years down the road, that runs to be like, how on earth was this guy not ranked? You know, what, what were these guys doing? And, I'm not even really had that much of a leg to stand on because I'm gonna be like, yeah, hey, I told everyone who was good enough to play at Mizzou and that he was gonna have big upside, but you know, I didn't have the guts to like put him in the national top fifty or something like that. You know, we just kind of plugged him in at the end of the rankings, and then because of nine million people reclassifying, he's not even in the top one fifty anymore. But I think that the I'll at least feel good assuming he's able to do it, knowing that hey, when this guy committed and everyone said what the hell, I at least knew that he was he was good enough to play there and they had a chance to far exceed any expectations for him. And I, and in, in that case, I would call that a win on him. Even if it ends up that we didn't rank him high enough or anything like that, at least there was a recognition of the talent and a, and an, and an honest thing of like, Hey, I don't know how good this guy could be. He could be a, he could be a, a bust, but like, if he booms, like he's really, really going to boom. And why wouldn't you take a chance on that guy from Missouri?
2: It seems like this class sort of fits that mold. Like you look at a guy like an Anton Brookshire, who, if you see him up close, I, I don't know if the six foot one in shoes measurement is uh, stretching it all that much, but you watch him on film, just a ton of skill and polish for a guy, his size and his age with the ball in his hand and his ability to shoot it. You look at a guy like Yaya Kata, who maybe not you know ideal size you know from a height perspective, but High motor can make a lot of plays showing some face up ability, the ability to drive it from the elbow. It seems like what the staff did in this class was sort of say, Let's look at tools and let's look at upside. And maybe we have to eat some growing pains in year one or two.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And and I wrote about that with them about how it wasn't the sexiest class on paper. But if you're looking a few years down the road, I I think you can maybe look at what Rick Barnes did at Tennessee when he got. Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams and all those guys, right? And John Fulkerson, I think, was even in that. It wasn't like a super exciting class for rankings. They didn't beat out a bunch of SEC powerhouses to get those guys, but they saw something in them. They believed in their in their system fit, and they believed in their upside. And, and man, they, they struck gold, and those guys grew together. And by the time those guys were juniors, like no one wanted to deal with those guys. Like they were a major problem, right? And I, I really feel like if these guys get through these first couple of years, that you know a few years down the road, Mizzou really may have something to be super excited about. And to me, it's kind of fun as a fan to see those steps and see, okay, how do these guys look fresh as freshmen? How will they look next year? You know, how could they look three years down the road? And it is a group that I think is going to be a fun group. Um, I mean, gosh, yah I mean, wait till fans get a chance to experience him just on a personal level. Man, what an awesome kid. Like, unbelievably awesome kid. Like, that's the kind of kid that if you had to adopt a kid, he's the kind of kid you want to adopt. Like, you want him around your kids. You want him to be friends with you. He's just a bubbly personality. He works his butt off. Um, His story of what he's been through personally is pretty incredible. And I think just, you know, how do you not root for a guy like that? And I think they've got guys who they don't have anyone who's been coddled. They don't really have anyone who's been told how great they are since they're in eighth grade. But they've got guys who've been told, hey, look, you've got some talent. But, hey, you know, you might be a little borderline for this level, but we believe in you. And here's what we're going to do. And I think of all those guys are embracing that process and on board with it, then really good things from happening. And I know with just some conversations with the Mizzou staff during the summer and the fall that they're really, really encouraged by the signs that they've seen out of these young guys so far. And so, you know, hopefully, hopefully that rings true because everyone loves their team this time of year. Right. Everyone like, oh, the freshmen are all uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Some of the ZOO fans yeah, seem no. skeptical
2: right now about what they have. Right, yeah, I
0: mean, you know, oh, it's coach speak, it's coach speak, it's coach speak. But, you know, I've got relationships with a lot of coaches where we get far beyond coach speak, you know, and I don't go throwing their business out there, else they wouldn't be telling me some of the real stuff on it. But I, I do think this is going to be kind of a fun group to watch watch grow and I'm really looking forward to watching them. You know, I, I, I kind of like this. Like I'm not one of these guys like, yeah, I want to be right with our rankings, but I guess time in doing this has helped me to understand that while I'm going to do everything I can to not miss a single one of them, I'm going to miss them. And I would much rather guys turn out to be better than I thought than not as good. And this is a fun group of guys who are all right on that borderline of like, Hey, you know, maybe they're a little bit of a reach, but not that much of a reach. And, you know, if you get, if 60% of that class hits, you could really be working with something and you know, that's, you, you've got to take part of recruiting is you got to figure out who's going to be, who you're going to get to say yes. Right. And then you've got to figure out, okay, which of those guys who will tell us yes, fit what we're trying to do. And then you've got to figure out how do they mesh together. And I think with this group, You've got a group that's pretty indicative of the culture that Kwanzaa Martin wants around his program, of the tone he's trying to set, and I think you see that with some of the other guys, some of the sophomores and stuff too. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of an intriguing group to watch moving forward.
1: Well, I'm gonna change your uh, y- your name from uh, eBoss to. Mizzou sunshine pumper because that was uh <laughs> that's know, gonna right? get a lot. Of...
0: <laughs> no, I, 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 I've I've not you know, I've I've not hidden from it. I, I'm I'm a pretty big believer in Conzo Martin, eventually getting it done and what he's doing. I just think, I just think there's gonna prove to be a lot of substance at some point be behind what you know. Some people I think of wonderful well, he's talked a big game. When he's going to do this, whatever. Like, you know, it's hard and. I think a couple of healthy porters probably changes the way people talk about Conzo Martin right about now. You know what I mean? And so I, I'm, I'm willing to roll the dice. Maybe I'll be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll be like, hey, you guys were right. I, I shouldn't have been a believer in this, but I just, something about it, I'm I'm not ready to count that guy and what he's doing out yet. And, you know, maybe another year or two, but I do think, the the foundation of something that could be pretty cool is in place right now
2: yeah we talk about you know sam and i've talked about it at ad nauseum you know you get a couple healthy years from the porters are you having an ej liddell in your program are you having a caleb love in your program and suddenly you know you have those two or three guys that i think the top end of the rotation has been missing and that's that's really where you are and you know the misses are what they are at this point you can't redo them but i think you have to sort of Look at what's happened now. If they've got a good developmental class, they've got a guy in Shaw, who's the kind of you know figure piece you want to have in a rotation. And if they can show some strides, then I think you begin to sort of get that momentum going that you want.
0: I mean, even just even just the Michael Porter year, I think we now see in the NBA now that he's healthy, now that he's you know a max contract player, um, a guy <laughs> who's looks like he could be a perennial All Star as long as he doesn't get hurt or doesn't, you know, go to Hollywood on us. Um, imagine if that guy had been healthy for his entire year at Mizzou, I think they would have won a few games in the NCAA tournament and made a lot more noise and people would be feeling a lot better about that whole year. But you know, the dude was hurt. He was hurt so bad that it cost him his first year, year and a half in the NBA. So you got to take that into account. you know, of course that's, that's the dice you roll when when you're going with a one and done guy like that right and you know unfortunately for Missouri he got hurt unfortunately his brother got hurt too and you know that's that's the real kicker is it's you know wasn't just one porter hurt it was two porters hurt or i guess if you go to the the women's team it's been multiple porters hurt it's just unfortunate luck you know but you know
1: Hope, hoping for the best for Javon out at Pepperdine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he looks like, he's pretty good. Way. I know people don't want to hear that, but he, Javon's pretty talented. So you know, that, that family, they know how to hoop in that family for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, well, Eric, I do want to uh, give you time. I know that you've, you've taken time out of uh, some, some thrilling uh, youth gymnastics to join us. Uh, so we want to make sure that you have ample time to get back to that. Um, everybody should go follow you on twitter if they not if they're not already it's at eboss hoops uh but but where else uh are we looking for eric bossy on the internet
0: uh 24 7 sports of course uh occasionally you'll see me on cbs sports hq doing some stuff but those are those are the main places i'm not a big instagram guy i I use that for pictures of my family and seeing how my friends are doing (laughs) stuff like that I i haven't i haven't fully gone over that and i'm I'm definitely not a Snapchatter or a TikToker. I'm a little bit, a little bit too old for those. But Twitter is always a good place to find me Along, among the various message boards on twenty four seven. I'm I'm pretty accessible, you know. And if you if you want to talk a little college basketball, a little bit of recruiting, dabble in some major league baseball, and and and, and as you guys are learning, I'm also becoming a big time whiskey and bourbon aficionado. So any of those topics are always good for me
1: yeah on on the whiskey note uh i i so i know that's uh how we kind of connected a little bit the uh the the hunting how's it going these days and what's been your your favorite pour uh of the last we'll say 6 months to a year favorite pour
0: favorite pour uh was a george t stag i think it was the 2018 bottle it it was it was incredible and so i like all the stag juniors pretty well too so but George T. Stag, um, that's that's my number one so far.
1: I, I'd say that's a uh, that's a good selection. Like I'm a Stagg guy. Hey, right? a stag guy. <laughs> well, you didn't say Blanton's. I think that's the that's the the tater bottle. Yeah, yeah. The
0: Blanton's is <laughs> fine, but you know whatever. I'm just as happy with the Knob Creek 12, 12 year as I am with the Blanton's. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's to each their own. But the the hunt is definitely a part of the excitement with it and. It's it's got it's got me all in, you know. I just got the the Midwinter's Night or Midwinter's Dram, whatever the heck you say it. Last week, that's this year's is a very good one. I was pretty excited about that. So yeah, you know, I always find a little something.
1: Yeah, I know you also got the Little Book Chapter Five too, right? Yeah,
0: which I have not cracked into yet, but I think that is on the deck. Well, I'm heading to Las Vegas this week, so I don't think I'm gonna take that with me. But the next <laughs> weekend, I home that I'm home, that will be the one that I pop into next.
1: Yeah, so the ne- the next time you're in Johnson County and and you want a, a good poor bourbon, it sounds like Eric's got a a, a good stock these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a bunker for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well well boss, man, I appreciate your time. Uh it's good having you on. Um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I think you're doing awesome. Everybody go subscribe to 247 Sports. It's well worth the coverage. I I tell you what, man, like the 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 team of guys that you got. Uh, I think like, you know, Deshaun is, is, uh, is one of the guys that I follow also. Um, you've got a, like a team of young guys who are working hard and they're doing a really, really terrific yeah. job. Deshaun London,
0: Travis Branham.
1: Uh, yeah, Travis. There.
0: Of course, we've got the venerable Jerry Myers still hanging around, starting to crank some stuff back out again, but really excited about those young guys. And I, I got to be honest, it's, it's a lot of fun for me now, you know, at 46 years old in the twilight of my career (laughs) to to help some of these young guys because I got help along the way but it's it's fun to see their excitement and all the things that I'm bitter about now that they're not bitter about yet and it kind of keeps me going
1: well I appreciate it sir and I appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk soon sounds good guys so again I would really like to thank Eric for taking some time um he uh was taking his daughters to gymnastics practice and and stepped out to the car to uh, to handle our podcast. So um, I think that shows how committed to the game um, Mr. Bossy is, and we appreciate that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to move them subs too. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So if if you're at all interested in recruiting, I recommend signing up at two four seven. They do a great job, uh, and then really, like I I wasn't blowing smoke. Like I really do think eric and 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 his team like he's got he's got some some young guns that are that are hot after it and and i've always liked jerry meyer too so i'm happy that that jerry meyer is getting back and involved um so matt you had any uh, any clear takeaways from what uh what boss he had to say
2: no i just i think you know you you want to hear guys who i think one are seasoned and two um Are objective in sort of how they evaluate programs, players, and coaches. And I think, you know, you and I have talked a lot over the last, you know, year or two about certain segments of the fan base sort of souring on Zoe and on recruiting and on what's happening here. And I think, you know, obviously Eric's just one guy and just one voice, you know, in in a larger conversation that that happens around evaluating a guy like Console Martin. But I do think when a guy like that says, hey, I'm a believer in this guy and what he's doing and the model that he's using. I I think you should give that some credence and really think about what that means. And, you know, we'll see what that looks like this year. You know, we may get into you know, as we talked about, you know, maybe Missouri gets off to a fast start and they look way better than anyone anticipated. Conversely, maybe this thing just hits the skids really quickly and, you know, the development isn't there and things really bottom out fast and, you know, everything's on the table but I think the one thing I I do is I always try and listen to guys who I think have perspective and experience and if and if Bossy's saying that, you know, he he's still a believer and he's still going to put some stock in what Zoe's trying to do, then then I think you know that should temper you know some frustrations that people maybe might have out there about, you know, what's going to look like a, a a reset year and and we've been pretty clear about that we think it's that.
1: Yeah, and I think like if unless you're uh you know, Kansas, you're pretty much going to have a reset year every once in a while. Um, Missouri needs to build more, and they need to build in a in a way that is consistent. Uh, and if you want the program to be at a certain level, like that build has to happen. Um, I think on, on this pod in this space, like you and I, I think it's probably more so me as uh, been accused of, you know, kind of being an apologist for, for Consul Martin. And, and part of the reason why I find myself more in Zoe's corner than not, you know, even though as he was coming in stylistically, he and I have very different philosophies on, on how I want to watch basketball. uh, I do think that he is adapting to that mode. And so that's why I'm like, I'm probably as intrigued to watch Missouri basketball going into this year than I've been any of the previous seasons, um, because I feel like he finally has the roster to play the way that he's talked about playing. But more so, like you know, you talk to somebody like like Eric Bosse, you talk to other people that are in the industry that know coaching and know Konzo Martin, and and by and large, like everybody loves Zoe. And and not just as a dude. Like obviously, there's no way that you can talk to Conzo Martin and not respect the kind of guy that he is. But everybody's like, I don't know, like he's he's kind of got this thing. Like he he knows what he's doing. Like you know, Tony Bennett obviously is is a guy who uh, people think and and rightfully so is a top five coach in college basketball right now. Um, and Tony Bennett's a guy who told Jim Sterk that he should hire Kanza Martin, um, you know? And so at what point, at what point do we start trusting the experts on this? And, and honestly, like my general take on, on Kanza Martin is when he was hired, I was, I was fine with it. Like, you know, he's a guy who's gonna raise the floor, right? Like fine. That's what, that's what Missouri needed right then. They. Needed somebody who is not going to bottom out the way commander's Anderson to bottomed out and Kanzo was going to do that great go go, go be go be you, Zoe. but what I've watched and this is why I'm a little probably more bullish on Missouri this year than than most people are is a guy who can just flat coach like he gets his guys ready to play Missouri almost never takes the floor in the SEC with the most talented lineup And yet, his worst season as a Missouri head coach was with Jordan Geist as your leading scorer. And no offense to Jordan Geist, we all grew to love the player that Jordan Geist became. Uh, But Jordan Geist is your leading scorer? Uh, (laughs) In in an an 18-game SEC season? And they won five games, like, like to me that's that's where you're you're talking about what the baseline is and why anybody who's predicting Missouri to win less than five games has not been paying attention to the type of coach that Constance Martin is.
2: You know, you and I have talked about that. You know, you watch Missouri and it's clear they scout, they come with a clear game plan, and there are some nights where, you know things just get sideways like it did at Mississippi state a year ago. And you're just like, okay, yeah, that, that happens. But I think most of the time they come out and they're engaged. They have a game plan. They try and execute it. They make it a pain in the ass to play them. The question has always been, and as I alluded to with bossy, was those needed are those two to three dudes on a roster. And, If Aiden Shaw is the first one of those guys that you get, that's a step forward. The question is will you start to see Yaya Keita, Anton Brookshire, and Trevin Brazil become the 60% of the kids they recruited here who are going to grow into, you know, really, really good and a really, really cohesive core around Shaw? And now you're suddenly, you know, spending the next two years with a young core and maybe some transfers that are gonna collectively be able to share the burden as that transition happens. Maybe that roster is not gonna be a top five or six one, but this year it gets you to eight and 10, nine and nine. Next year, it positions you to be a bubble team or get a bid. But along the way, you're, you're building that momentum to where you can get the one or two other assets, whether that's a prep player or it's in the transfer portal, to put alongside Shaw and you're beginning to, you know, cook with some gas, and I think there are still going to be fans that are going to say it'll be year seven, and we're just talking about things getting going. I, I, I don't have anything that's going to placate you at this point. If you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be frustrated. I'm just saying that that's the sort of trajectory you have to look at at this point. And I think the one thing we didn't get to touch on with Bossy was, you know, Missouri for the better part of a decade. I think its issue hasn't always been recruiting and in terms of attaining talent. I think the Missouri's issue has always has been retaining and developing talent. Like, I think I looked this up before we started potting tonight. Since 2012, if you look at like Missouri's recruiting footprint of Kansas City, the rest of Missouri and the St. Louis metro area, there's been 34 top 150 players in the 247 composite index. Eight of them spent some form of time with Missouri. There's been about a dozen top 50 kids in that in that span. Four committed to Mizzou and one transferred in. So in a vacuum, Missouri's getting one out of four, one out of three in players. But as Bossy said, MPJ gets hurt. You know, Jontae Porter plays a season, blows out his knee. Cam beachide transfers in from Notre Dame and is dismissed before he ever plays a game. You know, Jeremiah Tillman plays multiple years, but really doesn't hit until year four. And Aiden Shaw hasn't shown up on campus yet. Like that, that's really what your top 50 has looked like over the last decade or so. And then even if you go out to a guy like a Mark Smith who transferred in, he was a top 80 kid, but he had injuries. He didn't always perform consistently. Torrence Watson, who boy, that guy just regressed from the day he showed up. And he only had Jordan Barnett for a season and a half. So it's really been, as we've talked about, there's been some top-end talent here, but it just hasn't sustained itself. It hasn't developed. It hasn't you know, really rooted itself here. And Missouri's been asking a lot of guys whose ceilings just aren't there. This is a roster this year where I think if you believe, Bossy, that there's three guys in this class that can grow into a stable core, you want to see that or see signs early on that that happens. And then when Shaw gets here, you have half of a rotation that's underclassmen, but have high upside. I think that's really where you're going at this point. And that's, I think, what you want to see. Will that happen? I don't know. But but at least you can sort of see a plan and sort of a blueprint in place for that.
1: Correct. So that's where we are. I think our plan is we're going to take another week off. So we're going to be regular off season, two weeks off, Um, come back and then we'll go weekly from there on out. We'll have some some previewing to done because in two weeks, uh, shoot, Matt, I mean. We're like we're staring down the barrel of the season starting. And so we can actually like begin to consider uh, games. So. Yeah, so two weeks is the 25th. Uh, and like the next like game week is, is like that first week, of November, right? Yep. 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 So there we go. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly the date of the Sue's first game. I just know like, like the dates that I have to get like these previews done by the first ones being published in a week. Um, so you'll, you'll get to read all about how, uh, I, how much I do not like Tom Crean's roster in Athens. Um a bold take there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I may be out on a limb on that one. Um so yeah so we're gonna take two weeks off. Uh by then we will have a full five previews <laughs> for everybody to read. Uh we will be back recording on the twenty fifth for everybody's enjoyment on the twenty sixth and then we'll go weekly because it's season and that's that's uh that's what we're gonna do. Um any last words before we get out of here Matt?
2: uh nope uh thanks to eric bossy again for giving us time
1: yep thanks uh, everybody um go ahead and like and subscribe and do all those kinds of things um make sure that you are if you can uh, share this podcast with your missouri basketball friends i'm sure that they will enjoy listening to uh, matt and i talk about nonsense um so until then uh two weeks from now thanks for tuning in